Moncrief on News Talk. There's not very much on my resume, but I'm eager and I'm, I'm a very hard worker. And resume? What for? The job? Job? <laughs> oh, for God's sake. You said we needed help around no, here. No, I said you needed to help around here. She can do all the filing, she can answer the phones, basically everything that I suck at. She's Charlie, like superhuman. You know what, there's a protocol, all right? And this isn't the She's way we cheap. do it. There's a system. Super cheap. Mr. Ryan, I'm oh, sorry, so I did not realize yeah. this was an ambush. Ambush? Mr. Ryan? No, not Mr. Ryan. It is an ambush. The kid's right about it. It's exactly what it is. It's an ambush. Hold on. Worst job in TV news. Your co-workers have terrible hygiene. I smell delightful. Places overrun by ants. Toilets backed up. Who the hell can say no to Tully Hart? Right, that's uh, Catherine Hegel's uh, return to television. Or was she on television before? I'm sure she was. Uh, James Dempsey uh, joins us once more. Good afternoon, James. Hi, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. So this is Firefly Lane, uh, 10 episodes uh, streaming now on Netflix. Is it essentially about the friendship of two women? Yeah, so the thing about Firefly Lane is it's based on a, a novel by a writer named Kristen Hanna. And in the Kindle store, it's been the number one in women's saga stories for, I okay. think, since it, since it was released. And it is a soap opera, you know, for women, right? I mean, that's who it's made for, right? There's no denying that. Now, there's a lot to be said about the value we put into kind of women's stories versus men's stories, but I only have a few minutes and, you know, I'm not going to get to the bottom of that nugget in that time. With this, it is a strange television show. It's kind of a blend of like, a, you know, a, a, a pulpy drama meets uh, this is us sort of the you know the the mm. intergenerational uh, network tv show that has kind of booked the trend and, and been a hit uh, because you get three distinct time periods following these two uh, women so you have Catherine heigl as tully the kind of abrasive with a tragic past one and you have sarah chalk who like late of scrubs will say um as kate her nerdy bookish friend who is returning to work as an adult um in in the most senior point at which we meet them having gone through a messy divorce and the thing about it is it's almost comically bad how how poorly executed this is because there's definitely grounds for riveting interesting compelling drama in that right we follow these three or these two girls as teenagers as early 20s and then as 40-somethings at these different points in their life, how their friendships have developed over that time. There's definitely grounds for like a, a solid, well-made drama there. But half of the problem is in how they've just, how they've sort of bridged this timeline gap. So my understanding, my understanding, having never read the novel, is that it just goes in a chronological order. And the writer of this, Maggie Friedman, decided that instead of chronological order, we would intercut the timelines throughout now it's actually done somewhat elegantly insofar as you know we'll see them dancing in one timeline and it'll cut to them dancing in another timeline so the bridges themselves are fine the problem is the casting right so we have these two young well young teenage actresses playing them as teenagers that's absolutely fine we then fast forward roughly kind of like six years maybe seven years in time and then we have the 40-something actresses playing them at 22. And to achieve this, they have, you know, piled on the pancake makeup and put on the Instagram filter to the max and lit, lit it very bright and shown absolutely zero restraint in the costuming. Like, you know, I, you know, if... <laughs> I, you know, last week I talked about it's it's a sin, which is this period drama about you know forty years well about thirty years ago about um, the eighties, 
and you would not call it's a sin uh, restrained in its uh, costuming or production design but compared to that i mean this is an absolute like it's like they've gone to the local fancy dress store (laughs) (laughs) but this is like would this again be 80s big hair and all that kind of stuff absolutely right so the three periods of time are like i think mid 70s early 80s and then uh, early 2000s so around the around 2003 i think is where we pick it up with them as adults and we have Catherine Heigl and Sarah Chalk like glammed up with 80s, you know, hair to the eight, you know, to the flock of seagullsiest hair imaginable, basically. <laughs> and it's it's so ridiculous. And there's even a point where we meet them in college as college girls and they're played by these adult actresses as college age girls, despite the fact that their teenage versions are only like six years you know, younger than this at, at the point at which we're introduced to them. It really is at times laughably silly. Now, apart from that, in terms of plotting, there's nothing here that you kind of haven't seen before, right? You've got like two friends who are contrasting personalities, but come together, they just balance each other out. But I will say I thought they had great chemistry and certainly Catherine Heigl is kind of an interesting figure, right? Insofar as she sort of came out when, um, when she came up rather, when Grey's Anatomy was on the rise mm. in its earliest seasons. And then I uh, got this reputation as a difficult to work with person, made a stab at, you know, a list movie star, didn't quite make it. And now is sort of scrambling to find something. But you're reminded here that like she has a certain charm. There's just something about her that is like very, very, very watchable. And Sarah Chalk cut her teeth on Scrubs as a great comedic actress. She's done various different bits, including um, voicing on, on Rick and Morty as well in the meantime. And she has great comic timing in her parts. But what's odd about it is the, the 2003 setting is itself a period piece. You know, that's like 20 years ago at this point. And it doesn't feel like it at the same time, right? It's just like, there's just not enough novelty or interest or even depth in exploration of the timelines that you kind of would expect for the whole rigmarole that they've produced here, really. Yeah. The, the, you know, the flashbacks, and, and, and they were used, you did reference This Is Us, and they were used uh, to tedious effect uh, to kind of, ooh, how and why did he die? And then you kind of lost interest in the middle of series, whatever. Uh, why, are they, why, are they, why do they keep going back and forth? Why isn't it just a straightforward story? I suppose the reason why is because if they were to tell the straightforward story, this is a 10 episode series, you know, 10 roughly hour long pieces at that. And my understanding is it doesn't cover the entire arc of the novel because they want to lay ground for a season two. Right. If they had gone for basically, you know, a, a straight chronological telling of the story, we would have had probably about four or five episodes of the teenage girls, which might not have been enough to get, I guess, Catherine Heigl and maybe Sarah Chalk to sign on to they want to be more involved throughout the entire run of the series. Other than that, the biggest problem with it is because it's like a, it's aiming to be a multi-season TV show rather than like what's called a limited series as in told in one go. Um, you get a lot, you know, you get the beginning and then you get an awful lot of middle and you don't really get satisfying end here, right? Because, <laughs> because they're laying the ground for a season two, whether that'll happen remains to be seen because I've seen this being pretty much, uh, you know, panned absolutely everywhere. But I will say there were moments where I just thought it was kind of sillily charming and a bit like a bit naff and, you know, not satisfying, but kind of fun to watch in its own way. (laughs) 
Right, okay. So uh, it sounds like, yeah, you didn't dislike it, but... Yeah, I, didn't, I definitely didn't hate it. I yeah. definitely didn't hate okay, it. Okay, there's another rave. Definitely didn't hate <laughs> it. Uh, right, okay, a couple of bits of TV news and Frasier might be coming back. Yeah, so Frasier is kind of the odd one because, um, like, when we think of, like, 90s sitcoms that really have stood the test of time, Friends is the main one. And it's, like, has been a bidding war for various streamers. The Office is not 90s, but in a similar vein, hugely, hugely popular. But Frasier is kind of the unspoken one about that has Mm. seen a huge streaming audience, not really in this part of the world because it's not on Netflix or, or Amazon, but it is actually all 11 seasons are on the RT player if you want to do it for free. Well with your tv license but apart from that um it is it has been kind of on the cusp of returning a few times including in 2017 when kelsey Grammer said oh an announcement is just on its way maybe fingers crossed now that didn't really materialize except for now further rumors are being revealed but this time around you kind of assume rumors are a you know a a precursor to announcement yeah Yeah. Yeah. so basically uh it's expected that it's going to be on paramount plus um and that Kelsey Grammer is going to obviously star in it as Fraser Crane. And the rumor mill this time around actually says that David Hyde Pierce, who I think like he won three Emmys and he was nominated 11 times for every single season of the show, uh, is also rumored to be signing on to it, despite the fact that he had previously said he had no interest in revisiting the role. But it would only be, a, it's kind of rumored as like a 10 part short revival. And it won't be coming till 2022 at the earliest. But all those details sort of say to me, like, it's pretty much in, in the bag at this point. Right. OK. Uh, uh, but of course, the the the, the dad uh, is dead. Yeah, he, yeah, he's since passed away. Uh, no word on the two other kind of female stars, Jane Leaves or Perry Gilpin. But I don't know what else they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, same as what the rest of us are doing. Not a whole heap. Uh, right. So uh, and uh, uh, Netflix has uh, prompted a, as if the pandemic wasn't doing a, a huge spike in online shopping. Netflix is helping this. Yeah, this I thought was very funny. So there's this US, and I've never even heard of it, right? There's this US retailer of like luxury brands called First Dibs. And it has reported that it has seen huge spikes in sales of various products that align specifically with the release date of new programs on on Netflix. So when Tiger King was released like roughly a year ago, they saw a double a double figures for leopard and animal uh, and tiger print than they had previously hmm. seen. And then when Ratchet came out last um, autumn, despite I think nobody watching it except for the Golden Globes people, it saw a seventy five percent increase in mid century modern furniture. The Queen's Gambit saw a 1,200% increase in the sale of chessboards. And Bridgerton, at the beginning of this year, has seen a 900% increase in sales of Regency period jewellery. So that's not to say how many people were buying Regency period jewellery to begin with. So that's all relative. Right. It's just funny that, you know, it can have this impact. When you said Bridgerton, I thought it was a rise in condom sales. (laughs) Uh, Right. Uh, James, uh, 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 James is going to stay with us. We have two more shows to talk about after this break. 53106 is our text number that will cost you uh, 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. James Dempsey uh, is still with us. James was uh, telling us uh, about uh, Firefly Lane. All 10 episodes of that are now streaming on Netflix, uh, starring Catherine Hagel uh, returning to the telly uh, and Sarah Chalk from uh, used to be in... What did she used to be in, James? In Scrubs. Scrubs. Scrubs, yes. Uh, Ka- uh, Catherine Hagel and your one from Scrubs, says one texter, two has-been actors, I'm afraid to say. I really thought they were overrated even at the height of their careers <laughs> back in the early 2000s. Uh, Adele says, I watched one episode last night. Not bad, but not great. Watchable, but not binge-watchable. 
There you go. Uh, is Catherine Hegel good in this? I've yet to find her good in anything, uh, uh, to be honest. But I suppose if you, if you find Catherine Hegel a bit charming, you'll find her a bit charming in this. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, the uh, James is also telling us that uh, there might be uh, uh, there might be a new series of Fraser. Uh, it may be a couple of years off, but it might be happening. No, just no. Leave these classic shows where they belong in the past. Yes, rerun them to the hilt, says this texter, so we can continue to enjoy them. But rebooting with new storylines? Absolutely not. We don't need it. Be more creative, TV pe- uh, people, please. Well, now it should be says this isn't, uh, they're not rebooting it. It's just a continuation of the old series rather than they're bringing in new actors and uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's the original people, or most of them at least, we think, uh, who were in it. I don't know. I think that's kind of, for a limited run, might be worth a look. Yeah. Uh, uh, What's Superstore on Netflix after James reviewed it last week? It is so funny, so good natured, yet sassy. A happy show and clever uh, and not taxing at all. Exactly what we need in these times. A good bank of episodes on Netflix too. Yeah, I kind of, we- I watched a few episodes of it, James. Yeah, it's v- eminently uh, pleasant, I suppose. It's yeah, one of those you totally can return agree. to it things. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like nice... It's funny and it's it's uh, low stakes. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that's just what you need. Yeah. I actually also, after um, um, many weeks ago, and, but that looks terrible. I watched Call My Agent and uh, I'm, actually, oh, yeah? I'm actually quite enjoying it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but one aspect in it, because I thought it was going to be all kind of gurning and, 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 you know, terrible comedy, but it's not. But also, you know, it's Paris and... Everywhere they go is absolutely fabulous. Uh, and that's the thing. It's more It's more that, you know, every time they go for a drink, oh, God, where's that? You know, it's... Uh, oh, stop. It makes me sad. Uh, did James watch Lupin? Oh, my days. It wasn't even ironically bad. Just so many plot holes. Did you watch it, James? So I haven't got to it yet, but it's funny that um, the, the, that that listener didn't like it because it has been a massive, massive hit for Netflix. It has even eclipsed uh, The Queen's Gambit in terms of global success. Like wow. It's been a huge, huge global hit and certainly the biggest French drama on, on Netflix by any by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, does the arrival of Disney Plus star mean we need to pay more for Disney? Does James know? So I don't think, I think it's included in the package, but I honestly do not know. Ah, right, okay, <laughs> is, yeah. is the answer to that. Because it kind of I sounded think. like they're going to charge you more for something. Uh, right, we'll move on to our second show of the day. It is The Great Escapists, all six episodes now streaming on Amazon Video Prime. Here's a clip. Check out my ride! You did it, Richard! I you did. built a car! I did? Richard, I did. this is incredible. Oh man, it feels so good to be in a car again. I got wheels! <laughs> it's adorable! Yeah, brilliant! <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it's good, isn't it? This is so cool. Yep. Is that the fin for the downforce? And these are to break up the wind-tip vortices, oh. which you would get rolling over the edge without these, thus making more effect of the downforce. Find them on surfboard for the nose cone. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I am actually impressed, but I don't think this is going to work. The steering is going to be all over the place. The gear is completely wrong. It's not going to pull the things we need, especially through the sand. It's got side pipes. You're going to criticise a machine with side pipes. Cracking dialogue there. Uh, that's uh, The Great Escapists uh, on, uh, now available on Amazon Video Prime. Is this, what is it? It's a strange hybrid kind of a thing. It is so strange. I have to admit, I knew absolutely nothing about it. And I just saw something new and was like, perfect, stick that on. And it is such an odd, strange TV show. Because like based even on that kind of clip, you would assume it's this 
popular science-y kind of show, right, where where Richard Hammond of The Grand Tour and the American man is Tony Bellucci, who is a, a, he's a former presenter on Mythbusters, but he has like a long history of working in special effects and various things, uh, where they kind of do something, right, in, in a popular science way. But it's actually a scripted kind of drama, well, comedy, obviously, a sitcom attempt at the same time. And if anything, considerably more weight is given to the scripted comedy larks than the scientific engineering part, right? So the kind of conceit of the show is that uh, Hammond and Bellucci, or Belletti, sorry, playing versions of themselves, have uh, been washed up on a desert island after a failed fishing, uh, you know, fishing trip in the Pacific after being at, I think, the San Diego Comic Con, and they're washed up on this beach, and various other bits of equipment have washed up on the beach with them as well. So they cobble together various means through which to get themselves off the island or rescued, and fine like actually in theory i'm actually selling it better than it sells itself (laughs) because it is such a strange product in the end the execution is bizarre because like take for example that clip where we heard there they you know in the plot in the show they need to pull this heavy thing along the beach so they each decide to make a car or you know some kind of vehicle that will pull the thing and basically then we just arrive with the cars made. At no point do we see them like looking at different bits of uh, tools or equipment that they have to hand and figuring out, hmm, how might I piece this together? What engineering concepts could I pull in in order to get this to work? Instead, obviously, some massive crew of tradespersons ha- you know, on set have been cobbling this together while they've been finishing the script. And then they arrive and they have this race on the beach. And it is, don't get me wrong, it's like it is in the kind of Top Gear vein, Grand Tour vein, madcap silly, grown men being children, right? But uh, the entire concept of the show makes absolutely no sense. Now, the other thing about it is you might think, right, Richard Hammond as a, as an actor versus Richard Hammond as a kind of TV personality is a slightly different role. But then actually, while watching this, I was sort of really struck by the fact that whenever you watch... The Grand Tour, which I have to admit I haven't watched an awful lot of. I had seen more of it when they were on Top Gear. Their delivery was always such a rehearsed like script that actually, you mm. know, in a way, they were kind of acting. Their performances as presenters were were acting performances in a kind of rehearsed, follow the script way. So he just is doing that, along with some, as you would have not liked in um, Call My Agent, some weird gurning and uh, silliness and slapstick and To be honest, I don't quite know who it's made for. Like, in some regards, this almost reads a little bit like a TV show made for children. And yet I'm pretty sure it's made for adults because it runs at like 50 minutes an episode, which is gruelingly long for this strange hybrid concept that in no way lands. And it's almost like I'm actually driving people to watch the first episode just to see how bafflingly strange (laughs) it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is a kind of an odd mixture of things. It's almost like they had the two people and then thought, what will we do with them? Yes, but the problem is, you know, the, the, the scientific part is so incidental. And yet that's kind of what the whole concept of the show is, is right? It's kind of going, is it? It's kind of like a Bear Grylls meets Scrap Heap Challenge kind of thing. Yeah. And yet we don't really learn anything or the engineering side or the mechanical side or any building side is sort of pushed aside 
to scripted humor <laughs> instead. And, and are they, but are they maintaining this pretense that they're stuck on this island and they're trying to get off it all the time? Is that like a genuine so, story arc or is their tongue in their cheek a bit? So it's actually, so right, a few weeks ago, I would have reviewed um, The the Wilds, which is a drama on Netflix about teenage girls who are marooned on an island. And in that, they have this bit where they're, they're, they're after getting off the island and they're being interviewed by like a policeman or someone, we're not quite sure who it is. And it's the same device in this they're being released or they're being interviewed by two police officers or two inspectors of some kind after having gotten off the island and explaining all the ways they're after doing it but even that takes away from the like engineering or scientific part of it it is just it is so strange, honestly. <laughs> right, okay. So strange, you almost want to have a look at it just to see. Uh, right, yeah. our third show is Resident Alien. It starts tonight at 9pm on Sky One. Here's a clip. Do not make a sound. That's good. Don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to kill you. <laughs> This is a comedy, though, isn't it, James? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a comedic drama, right? Right. But, but uh, what I want to say going off on this is I actually like a lot of it and I think it has real promise to grow. And I particularly like um, Alan Tudyk, who plays Harry or Harry, who is this alien who has crash landed to Earth. It's based on a comic book uh of the of a similar story and it's about this alien who crash lands in this uh, sleepy mountain town and he needs to find like he's been charged with the mission to basically destroy all life on earth and he's lost the equipment that he needs to do that so while he's looking for the equipment he is moonlighting as the town's local doctor because the doctor was killed in a mystery that is going to take place over the entire season mm. and where it is that at an absolute triumph is any scene with Alan Tudyk so Alan Tudyk is probably best known for his role in Serenity the very short-lived Joss Whedon um, like alien well, uh, not a uh, space western which is I think on actually Amazon and if, it's, if, if you've never seen it, it is well worth checking out it's really really good and since then he has mostly been known for voice acting for various cartoons and things although he did create his own web series that was Emmy nominated for a few years which was about a, a for, sort of failed sci-fi actor on the convention circuit called Conman, which I think was very well received. And he is kind of finally getting this big, you know, leading man role. And it is long overdue because any scene with him in it is fantastic. He is incredibly funny. He's a brilliant physical comedian and particularly like voice comedian with impeccable comic timing. There have been like moments where I've been watching it and just laughing out loud at the kind of silliness of the character where it sort of loses its run is because you have him as this absolutely central figure of the whole show who is fantastic. The bits that don't have him in it are kind of a bit, yeah, can we just rush these along and get back to the alien doing his kind of silliness? Who's Because, you know, that is absolutely a triumph. But the rest of the scenes involving the town's, townspeople in various mishaps don't really land for me and are kind of just a bit drab. 
However, what I was most pleasantly surprised about is you've got this kind of like I thought this was going to be this really kind of like saccharine, sweet, syrupy, you know, Firefly Lane almost type TV show. And it's not. It has this surprisingly like, you know, dark and morbid current running through it. And particularly the clip we heard there is uh, the son of the local mayor. He the son is the only person in the entire town who can see Harry as his alien form. And he goes off on all these fantasy tangents about how he's going to kill this child. <laughs> you know, and, and it is at times quite dark, but honestly, very, very funny. So I think it has great promise. And I sort of hope it continues its upward tra- trajectory in all of it I've seen so far. Okay, well, that's, uh, that sounds very promising. Uh, I actually did look up there about uh, Disney's uh, Plus Star, and if you already have a subscription to Disney, they won't charge you anymore. You just get it automatically, though maybe later on in the year mm-hmm. uh, they might uh, jack up the price a little bit. Uh, the, the three shows we were talking about today were Firefly Lane, all 10 episodes on, our, on Netflix, The Great Escapists, all six episodes streaming now on Amazon Video Prime, and Resident Alien, that starts tonight at 9pm on Sky One. James Dempsey... Uh, uh, thanks a million uh, once again. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on Newstalk. We're going to take a break. After that, the man who destroyed every possession he had. Moncrief on Newstalk.